Hebrews chapter 11. And if you don't have your Bibles this morning, it would be great to bring them along um, and uh, go through. Make sure that I'm not preaching anything that's wrong. I mean, if you don't have your Bibles, you wouldn't know. I could whip some things in that you don't know. But if you're there ready and watching, then you keep me on my toes. So bring it each week and uh, use it every day. Read it every day. It would be great. Hebrews 11. Um, And this is what it says. And I'm going to just read from Hebrews 11, 1 to 16. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. God gave his approval to people in days of old because of their faith. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. But it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. God accepted Abel's offering to show that he was a righteous man. And although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us because of his faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Suddenly he disappeared because God took him. But before he was taken up, he was approved as pleasing to God. So, you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about something that had never happened before. By his faith, he condemned the rest of the world and was made right in God's sight. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a stranger living in a tent. And so did Isaac and Jacob, to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he was confident. He was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that Sarah, together with Abraham, was able to have a child, even though they were too old and Sarah was barren. Abraham believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man, Abraham, who was too old to have any children, a nation with so many people that, like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All of these faithful ones died without receiving what God had promised them, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed the promises of God. They agreed that they were no more than foreigners and nomads here on earth. And obviously, people who talk like that are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had meant the country they came from, 
they would have found a way to go back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a heavenly city for them. Well, we trust that God's going to open up um, insight into his word as we've read it this morning and as we open it a little bit further on. Um, We've got an exciting series that's going to be beginning next week, and this is like the the tempter to it. We're, We're talking about faith this morning. And then in this passage, there's a historic sort of roll call of men of faith, men and women of faith in the past who have uh, trusted boldly in God's promises. And next week, I'm going to be preaching on Abraham. The following week, we're going to be having uh, Gary Piper, who's going to be speaking on Isaac. And then the following week, Bob King is going to be speaking on Jacob. And in the final week, we're just still confirming 100% with with a person, but another minister in our midst is going to be uh, speaking on Joseph as well. So that's going to be great. We're going to have some men who who have previously been pastors and some are now continuing to serve in that capacity are going to be speaking, people from our own congregation. So they're going to be talking about men of faith. So that's going to be exciting. Don't miss these next four weeks as um, we gather around God's God's word together. And our I wonder if you've ever really looked forward to something um, so much so that um, you just couldn't contain your excitement. Uh, I remember for me, uh, even since growing up, since a, uh, being a little boy, when uh, Tinkerbell sort of waved her wand at 6.30 on Sunday night, and the wonderful world of Disney came on, um, I'd be in my pyjamas, we would have had tea and just about to go to bed, but I would just be enthralled as I watched and saw a little, you know, mechanical elephants raise their trunks and squirt out water. And I remember speaking with a couple of my mates just after leaving school and saying, wouldn't it be great to go to America? And I thought, wow. I might even get to go to Disneyland. And as we were sitting down and we were talking together in the um, you know, tourist place and tourist travel bureau, we were talking about what it might be like and where we would go. And they were saying we'd go to Los Angeles and we might be able to get to Universal Studios. And I said, well, maybe we could go to Disneyland. And uh, my hope started to rise and I started to look forward to it. And then we agreed we would. Then I thought, oh, this is going to be so, it's almost too good to be true. But then they told us the price and started paying off. I got the tickets. And I remember after travelling to America and getting into, into the place and booking into our motel and me and my friends in, in the morning, I remember us walking along the street from our hotel to Disneyland. And I started thinking, it looks like I'm actually going to get here. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, there's nothing that can stop this now. I'm sort of walking down the street leading to it. Um, it's really going to happen to me. And we went in and had a great day. It was fabulous. But the excitement and the anticipation meant that even the things in the work, when I was working leading up to it, sort of piled into significance. You know, the hard days and all the administration that I was doing at AMP at the time seemed to just sort of fade away compared to the hope of what was coming ahead. I was very excited about going. 
And I was enduring everything at work and everything else, knowing that one day I'd be there. I remember that being true at my fourth birthday. I don't know if you can ever remember your, that low back, but I was in Papua New Guinea and I, came, my, I was born in Papua New Guinea and came over here just at four and a half. But I remember uh, at my four-year-old birthday, I was looking forward to it. Mum and Dad were planning a special birthday party and I was very excited. What presents would I get? What would happen? And there was a waiting and an anticipation and a hope. I knew the day was coming. And then I remember us all being gathered around having frankfurters and our party hats on and everything. And Richard Askew, who was a jolly scallywag, just put his chest out at the top of the table and said, this is my birthday. <laughs> and I remember my lips sort of quivering a little bit and, uh, and I just burst into tears. This was my birthday. <laughs> And Richard Askew had stolen it away. And uh, I cried, and my mum and dad, uh, they, they affirmed me, and they said, it's all right, it is your birthday, it's okay. And I think Richard Askew's mum and dad got embarrassed and everything like that. But, um, you know, when you're looking forward to something, uh, your, your whole start to think about it. And you, you start to consume, you know, that to be part of your thinking. But every now and again in our life, when it comes to our, this life that we live on earth, there are some things that try and steal our faith in the fact that what God has promised is true. And there are little Richard Askews everywhere, aren't there? <laughs> and I, I mean, for Christians, the challenge is not to have faith on the day when you come to know the Lord. I mean, it's easy to have faith then, isn't it? We, we would... We would do anything on, on that day when we feel God speaking to us and, and speaking to our hearts. But what about after, you know, five years, ten years, and sickness? Maybe 15 years and we find ourselves in financial hardship. What about when people start to bring up all kind of tricky questions that we can't answer in our faith? After 20, 25 years, and we start to think, hey, we're supposed to be knowing all this by now. And there are little moments in our lives that can really challenge us. That's why Hebrews has become such a great loved book among so many people. Because in the midst of Christians facing persecution, the writer who has such a pastor's heart uh, writes this letter to them to warn them, to sort of really strongly warn them not to turn back, to encourage them at times, but to tell them that faith in Jesus Christ, they'll not be disappointed. See, Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians and they were facing persecution at the time when the writer wrote to them. And it seems that these uh, Hebrew, uh, these Jewish Christians had earlier faced persecution. Uh, they'd, they'd faced persecution, but they'd remained strong. If you have your Bibles open, um, you, you might have a look just back in chapter 10 and verse 34. And it says there... Um, 
just in that little section, it, it, uh, after that, it says, um, in, from verse 32 in chapter 10, don't ever forget those earlier days when you first learned about Christ, you know, when your faith was strong. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible sufferings. See, these Jewish Christians, because they'd, uh, the Jews had actually said, what are you doing? And they'd, they'd suffered. And, and they'd, they'd suffered at that time because of their faith. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And listen to this. When all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Why did they accept it with joy? Well, because you knew you had better things waiting for you in eternity. See, these Hebrew Christians had already faced a certain degree of persecution. And maybe this morning as you've come, you can look back in your life and you can remember, gee, there's been times when my faith was severely tested, but I've made it through. It could be that you can look back at a time where perhaps a relationship that you had uh, fell through and you really have had found it hard to have faith right at that time. It could be that uh, you had a, a, a persecution, people in your family, People at work might have made you feel silly for following Christ. But you stood firm and you put your trust in him. Well, this is what had happened. It seems like what had probably happened is they'd, been, had, they'd had their possessions taken away from them. You see, it said when all you owned was taken from you, you actually accepted that with joy. So it seems that uh, they'd been excluded from, from Rome. They'd been the things had been taken, their property had been confiscated and they'd been asked to leave. And it makes sense here to remember the expulsion of Jewish Christian leaders who were expelled um, in the year 49 AD. It was Aquila and Priscilla were some of these that are mentioned in Acts. They were two Christian leaders who were expelled. And it's very likely that the Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews um, had this in mind as he thought about this here, this was what happened before. They'd faced an exclusion from Rome and then stood strong. And what had happened is now the, this exclusion had been lifted and the people had come back into Rome. And again, they'd been able to buy property now, the, the Christians, and they'd been able to settle down again. And perhaps now they'd been getting more and more comfortable in their faith and been more and more um, just taking it for granted, perhaps. But now at the time of writing this letter, the writer of Hebrews, it seems, may have been writing to them in a time where um, in 64 AD, Nero had a new wave of persecution had come out. But this time it was not just property that was taken away, uh, not just people thrown in jail. This, this, uh, this actually persecution had been much more vehement in that people were actually executed. You see, under Claudius, they were banishments and imprisonment. But under Nero, executions were taking place. And now, even though they'd come through one strong time earlier on of persecution, now there were those who were being tempted to give up on their faith. Have a look in, in chapter 10 and verse 25. It looks like he was knowing that some of the members of the house church had already deserted community. You know, people were meeting in houses and it says there 
in uh, 10.25. Um, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Some had stopped meeting together because of the dangers involved. But, but the writer says, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. So there were those who had withdrawn from fellowship in this time of persecution. They'd lost confidence in the promise of God. Look what 35 says uh, in, verse, in chapter 10. Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord no matter what happens. Now, he wouldn't say don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord unless some of the people were thinking about doing it and there was a danger of them giving up. The preacher stresses the utter reliability of God's word. Don't throw away a confident trust in the Lord no matter what happens. He said, and remember the great reward he, it brings you. Um, there'll be a great reception and a great reward awaiting. Look what verse 36 says. Patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive what he has promised. So the writer's urging these people, crying out to them, encouraging them, saying, you know, you were strong at the last time when the persecutions were taking away your stuff. Now it's coming back again stronger and it looks like some of you under Nero perhaps are losing your life and in danger of doing that. So don't give up on the faith. Be strong. Trust in what God has said. Look at verse 37 and 38. It says, for in just a little while, the coming one will come and he's not going to delay. And then he says, quoting from Habakkuk, and the righteous person will live by faith, but I will have no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Here clearly the writer is saying, what you need more than anything is faith in God. The righteous one will live by faith. And it might be this morning that some of you uh, need to know that in the midst of your circumstances, what the writer of Hebrews is urging to that house church community back early in the first century applies to you today. could be that uh, in the busyness of life, in the um, little doubts that have been niggling away, the, the words of the writer is to say, endure and have faith in God. Uh, these, this is what they needed. So the writer uh, begins and he says in Hebrews 11, which is so linked to the previous chapter, and in this, this is what it says in, in verse 1, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. Here he, he uh, kind of states right up what he means by faith. And it's not ex intended here to be a formal definition of faith. Instead, it's like a, a recommendation uh, and celebration of the kind of faith that pleases God and results in true life. So he's saying this is the kind of faith that pleases God and will give you life to the full, the reward that you've been searching for. And, and look what it says. Uh, faith is confident assurance. The NIV says being sure. This is being sure. 
it's uh, celebrating and the objective reality. You know, being being really sure of something that is certain. And it's what what of of that what we hope for is actually going to happen. So the writer says, you know, it's being absolutely sure that what we hope for is going to happen. It's reality. You can grab hold of it if you have great faith and believe that what God has promised, he's going to do. So faith also then, this verse says, is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. The NIV says the certainty of things we do not see. So not only is it the assurance that what we hope for is going to happen, but it's also the evidence, the certainty, the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. So it's believing them as though they are things that are not yet seen. I just want to unpack those two statements for the rest of this message and then uh, use some of the examples to look at for what he said of how we can have faith. First, first thing he says in this verse um, is, firstly, faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. So what the writer here is saying is that faith that pleases God is a faith that actually right now, as you and I live today, celebrates the true, uh, the realities of future blessings. These future blessings are the things that make up the objective um, content of the Christian hope. So what would be some of these uh, future blessings that we can uh, celebrate right now, even though we haven't seen the fulfilment of them yet? Uh, There would be the things like uh, when Jesus says in John 14, um, don't let your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Uh, This kind of faith is, even though that's not seen yet, living today in the reality that Jesus is preparing a place for those who love him. Uh, It's holding on firmly for the fact that one day when you die, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you will go to be with him. Uh, What are the other kind of realities that we could have? You could just name so many of these promises that God has for the future. You know, that one day every tear will be wiped away. That there will be no more sickness or suffering. And And we'll know that that would happen. So we can hold that as an objective reality. This is true. We've got confidence, assurance of what, that what we hope for is going to happen. You know, this faith gives to the objects of hope the force of present realities. And it enables the person of faith to enjoy the full certainty that in the future, these realities are going to be experienced. Faith here in these times provides kind of like a a certain, a definite ground upon uh, what Christians can base their subjective confidence. You know, our confidence can sometimes be so wavering, but if we put our faith in God and his word and his promises, and if we put them wholeheartedly in that, then we can have faith no matter what our subjective feelings are. It is a capacity, this kind of faith. 
this that allows Christians to maintain a firm, clear grasp upon truth, which can't be demonstrated at this time. And it displays a quietness in the presence of hostility. People who have great faith in the midst of challenging and hostile circumstances have great faith in the knowledge that the blessings for which they hope are guaranteed by the promises of God. This person trusts wholeheartedly in God's word, in God's promises for the future. Because God said it, he will do it. The second aspect of this verse, the second part of this verse, uh, just before we go to that, you know, this person would hold clearly to you know, 2 Corinthians 15, 58, which, where Paul says, you know, um, stand firm, immovable, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Okay? So the person who have faith in God, this kind of faith that looks for the future says, no matter what I do now, if I'm serving God, if I'm using my gifts, if I'm doing the things that he's called me to, none of it will be in vain. Cup of cold water, uh, helping people that are, that are suffering, uh, sharing the gospel with people, living my life in love, none of it will be in vain. If you're weary today, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling exhausted, many people get burnt out and start to lose their, their faith because they lose their grip on the fact that the is the reality of rewards that are coming. So this morning for you, I just want to say, church, have great faith that every single thing you give to him is not in vain. Everything you do, uh, your labour prompted by love is not in vain. Nothing at all. Second part, second aspect of this verse, it says, it is the evidence of things we cannot see, cannot yet see. So the first part of the verse says, confidence, assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. The second part is, it is faith, it is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. So the meaning of, uh, second of this um, expression here is equally daring and equally um, challenging for us. Incredible. Faith demonstrates the existence of reality which cannot be grasped through our senses. So the person of great faith believes in things that can't be actually grasped through our senses. Faith confers upon spiritual reality that we cannot see the full certainty of a proof or a demonstration. It furnishes evidence or certainty concerning that which has not yet been seen. You know... Um, Christians know that the realities which are not seen now will be seen in the future. And in that sense, faith is demonstrated, is a demonstration of the substantial reality of events that are not yet seen. So what this is saying here is that it's the evidence of things we cannot yet see. Now today, um, people, you and I spend time in prayer and we know that God is working because we sense his presence. The Holy Spirit um, sometimes comes to us and brings us the reamers. Remember we talked about those a couple of weeks ago. Um, sometimes we feel his presence so closely. 
sometimes during the day we'll hear him prompting and, and talking to us. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes it feels like he's not even there. But faith is the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. So we have faith even when other people might look at us and say, you're crazy in what you believe. How can you prove that? How can you prove that this exists? How can you demonstrate clearly now that it's God that's doing that? Well, faith enables us to do that clearly. It's the difference between someone who gets bitter when they get sick and blames God, believing that if, if God... If, people, if, he, if God can't actually see their suffering and their sickness, then what's worth trusting in that God anyway? The opposite of that is someone who says, uh, I know God's promises and that he is with me and that he is good and that his plans and purposes are loving, even though now I face the pain of sickness. This kind of faith in the midst of circumstances that seem completely different, can have faith in the promises of who God is that will one day be seen, though not yet seen. It's the difference between the young person who stands up strong amongst his friends who think he's crazy for not getting drunk or for not sleeping with his girlfriend or for doing drugs or for even going to church or for caring about people less well off than him. You know, he'd prefer this a young man of, of faith, would prefer criticism and ridicule than to turn away from God's commands. Uh, he would uh, hold wholeheartedly believing by faith that God rewards those who believe in him, even though now other people would mock and say, how can you see that this is real? How can you believe in something that you can't see? How can you trust in this now? The other person in that situation lives to please themselves and they don't even think about the fact that God has a life for them. The one who, uh, another example would be someone who leaves a good job, well paid, and moves their family to another city to take a different role because they know that this is what God wants them to do. All the physical evidence is not there, but their faith in belief in what God has said he will do and when they sense that God is speaking to him through, his, through the word or, or speaking to them and prompting them, they pack up and they grab and they go and they move complete cities. It's the one who actually uh, will, will say, I feel like God's calling me and I'm going to study so that one day I can go overseas and, and serve in mission. You know, everyone's objectively not thinking about uh, that this could be possible, yet the person of faith hears God speaking, responds to the, his word wholeheartedly and goes ahead knowing that if God has said it, they will follow no matter where it is. It's the person who forgives when most people would never, ever forgive. It's the person that says, I will forgive you even though you've hurt me so much. Why? Because they know that God has forgiven them and they have that by faith. This kind of faith is an effective power which is directed towards the future. It's a source that, its source is direct from encounter with God, the living God. It's a looking forward uh, faith that, that looks forward courageously and confidently to what 
comes. And no matter what the circumstances right are, they look forward to an unseen future. Church. Uh, I think what the writer is saying to us here is that for you and I, people living here in Wodonga and Albury in the areas around where you're from, God is wanting people who will put their trust wholeheartedly in him for whatever the future holds and will hold wholeheartedly to his promises for the future that those who follow him and endure in the midst of hardship and suffering will be rewarded. Don't throw away the confidence. Don't give up. Keep following. Keep persevering. The writer here says, now I'm just going to give you a few examples of people who have been people of faith right through the scriptures. And he goes through uh, chronologically, most for the most part, in order of people right through the faith that have put their trust in, in God in the midst of uncertain circumst- uh, uh, difficult circumstances. Abel, he brought an, uh, an offering to God that pleased God. It was an offering of faith as opposed to Cain's. Enoch, uh, someone who lived with God every day and was taken up to God because of his faith. Uh, Noah, who built an ark while everyone was thinking he was crazy and there was no flood around at all while he was building the ark and yet he, by faith, kept building that ark. Abraham, who obeyed God when, uh, he was, uh, when God asked him and called him to leave his home. He, he went away not knowing where he was going but believing that God would do that. Right through this whole passage... It talks about people over and over again. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. It talks right through about nameless people who, lost their, who, who followed God faithfully and were rewarded. And then also towards the end of the chapter it says, but there were other people that followed God who actually died. Some of them were sliced in two. Some of them, uh, they, their life didn't end um, with great victory from a human perspective, but they were received from God what they were looking for, a city that is eternal. Do you know, um, the writer here this morning would say to you and I, have faith in God. Put your trust in him no matter what your circumstances. These people were looking forward in faith And the writer of Hebrews, then in verse 12, just at the end, says, how are we to actually now live as those who have lived this side of Christ's death and resurrection? Well, we're to put our trust in Jesus Christ, keep looking to him every day, keep asking him to fill us and and to lead us as our Lord and Saviour. Keep our eyes firmly fixed on him as we face today. Jesus has come. He's died on the cross. He's promised that he's coming back again and that he's preparing a place for us. And because we see that Jesus was who he said he was and lived the way he did, we can put our faith in him in a living relationship with him today. The thing that these men and women longed for, we now can have today through faith in Christ. Let's pray, shall we? God, there are people here this morning that are really finding life tough. Got many people that have so many different challenges that you know and you know intimately and you know them personally. 
God, we thank you that you've said that every number of, of the hairs on our heads, you know, you know them. And God, that not one sparrow falls that you don't notice it. And so we know you know our struggles this morning. God, we pray that you would give us the courage to endure, that you give us the courage to put our faith and trust in you and your promises and your word. God, that no matter what circumstances we face today and tomorrow, we will keep our eyes firmly fixed on the future and what you've called us to do. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for rising again and for securing a a future that no one can take from us. We live today in the reality of all that you are and all that you've done. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.